0: Lord, we just ask you to bless our hearts today uh, with the good word uh, that settles in our spirits, settles in our hearts, and, and changes our lives. Amen. Amen.
1: Holy Spirit, we just trust you, Lord. We come to you in our weakness, Lord, and we ask for your strength. We come to you in our ignorance, Lord, and we ask you for wisdom. We just come to you, Lord, and we trust you. That we would have faith in your word oh God we ask you to come hallelujah it's funny that both of us the scripture I I actually brought this scripture up and it's one that's been bothering me for about five years and I'm just like a dog with a bone you know I'm going to chew down that thing till it gets gone hallelujah but here's the scripture <coughs> it's, it says, uh, and it's in First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty-nine, Part B. And we we used we used twenty-four and twenty-five to talk about communion, but for some reason I keep jumping over this one. But this one has bothered me, and I'll just read it to you. And, and it says. not not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many of you are sick, and many of you are, are excuse me, weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That's not a very good good testimony for the church. Hallelujah. And when you've been a minister 40-some years, like myself and like, Uh, Pastor Mark you find a scripture like that and it bothers you we we desire to see more out of the body of Christ the first church was so powerful that this silly fisherman like me Peter came and gave a dissertation on the Holy Spirit that is astounding for just a dumb old fisherman hallelujah Hallelujah. not discerning the Lord's body. And brother Mark is going to talk to you about one aspect of that which is discerning the Lord's body, which yeah. is the corpus. But I want to talk to you more about the Lord's body which is represented by the by the wafer and by the and by the wine. The scripture that I that I came to and really blew me away is is found in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 18. Hallelujah. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they which eat the sacrifice partakers of the altar? Jesus is our sacrifice, Holy, fully, without adding anything to it. Hallelujah. So it says then that if we partake of the sacrifice, if we partake of Jesus, that we are also partakers of the altar. Now, he's not talking about Moses' altar in the wilderness, he's talking about the heavenly altar, yeah. the one made without hands. Yeah. So you, as you partake of the body of Christ, have access to the very heavenly altar. Now Jesus told us, he says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So yeah. you and I have a connection to the altar made without hands now most of the church and I'm, I don't want to I'm, I'm going to put that in quotes so it's a universal church I'm not talking about this church most of the church is is trying to better themselves to attain Christ yeah. but Jesus is the sacrifice and it's by virtue of us partaking of him that we have access to the heavenly altar. That means you and I are seated together with him, in, with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. So when we pray, we, we oftentimes pray, oh God, come down. Yeah. Hallelujah. But by virtue of the sacrifice that we partake of, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. We have access to the voice of God. We have access because he lives in us and our ears can hear him and our sister can see the angels Many see Christ. I'm like Pastor Mark. I don't. Hallelujah. It always makes me mad. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to go back to Genesis for a minute. I would love Genesis because it's simple. You've got a rope on me, so if I see you doing this, you can shut me up. <laughs> Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Their first offspring was a guy by the name of Cain who expected God to bless him and accept him because of the work of his hands. Yeah. And you know what? The Jews have been trying to do that for 3,500 3, years, and it hasn't worked for them. Amen. And it is infiltrated into the church yeah. that we try to work our way to heaven. If we pray enough, if we humble ourselves enough, Jesus is going to come down and bless us and talk to us, but it's not the case. We are there by virtue of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Hallelujah. We are there. If we try to work ourselves, uh, uh, to work ourselves change our behavior so that he will come visit us, there's an area of doubt, Right? And if there's an area of doubt, is fully opposed to faith. And then we wonder why the church is powerless. Yeah. God is going to do a thing. He's going to make a, have a church that begins to believe what he says. That we are full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power, and righteous by his blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we desire to see it. Another place another place in scripture in Hebrews 2, I think it's 11, it says it says he that sanctifieth and those that are sanctified are one. Yeah. Are all one. See Jesus does not see separation between you and him. He sees you in him and he sees himself in you by the Holy Ghost. So, every miracle is hung by faith on a promise of God. The church has got to begin to believe the word of God. Let me just read something. I just like to read a little bit once in a while. (coughs) <coughs> hallelujah where did I find that oh let me just read this 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 just tears me up yeah, it's back in um, well let me see if I want to start there let me just read in, in 1 Corinthians 6 and in verse 11 it says but ye are washed But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It doesn't say that you have to work toward it. When you drop on your knees, Jesus is listening. Hallelujah. When When you see yourself as praying from the throne, you can declare when you declare his promise. Hallelujah. There is coming to the church a belief and a faith in what God says. Hallelujah. It does not matter what I do to please God. Nothing I can do can make him love me more. And nothing I can do can make him love me less. He loves me. Hallelujah. When we see divorce rates, when we see pornography, when we see adultery in the church at the same level it is in the world, roughly, suicide, maybe we ought to take a different look. Maybe it doesn't depend on us from changing our behavior Maybe it depends on us believing that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. I, I'm going to leave it right there, Mark. I was just getting going there. <laughs>
0: That's good. Don't go anywhere.
1: He said, uh, let, let me read this." God has made us holy by his shed blood. Amen. Hebrews 3.1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the divine calling. Now, do you think that those Jews that, that Paul is talking to were really holy? But Paul's revelation is that they were holy now. Hallelujah. First Corinthians seven fourteen says, but now are ye holy children. No seven fourteen. Let me let me back up there because this is a dynamite scripture. For for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife, or by the wife, and the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the husband else the their children would be unclean, but now are they holy yeah. but now are they holy? Children are holy. I don't know about you, but my belt didn't say that yeah. but but God sees children as holy yeah, yeah it ought to depend it Change the way w- that we discipline them. It ought to change the way that we talk to them about hearing the voice of God. Acts 10:16 says, uh, uh, Peter said, uh, God said to Peter, He said "Do not call common what I have called clean." It's time to change the church's attitude. We don't have to make ourselves holy. We are holy by virtue of the cross. Amen. There you go.
0: So we're looking at the body. Do this in remembrance of me. And uh, because you're not discerning the Lord's body, it says many are sick Many are weak. Some of you are even dead. I don't know who he was talking to out there. Were they actually dead, and they still brought them? I don't know. I don't think so. But um, our brother was uh, Jason was sharing this morning about the the body of Christ, discerning it. Why was his body broken? We obviously know the blood of Jesus cleanses me from sin. But what about his body that we partake of as representation in the bread, broken and divided? You know, his body being broken for us, for our healing. So that we can be whole people, both body, soul, and spirit, being in compliance with what God's plan for our life is. One of the ladies that was staying here this week, uh, Janet, she's 85, she sleeps on a cot. She left here headed straight for Florida. I was like, you don't even get a, a memory foam? <laughs> she sleeps on a cot. She loves it. But she's talking to me and she says, well, I grew up in, in the, as a Methodist. And I said, oh, me too. And uh, we, we get to talk, she says, when, when were you born? And I told her the year I was born. She said, my daughter was born that same year. When, what's your birthday? And I told her, and she says, oh, well, you're only three weeks older than my daughter. And then I said, oh, well, how's she doing? And she said, well, she committed suicide when she was 50. So that opened up a whole avenue of conversation. She grew up something. But she didn't know about this person. You know, um, she went to church, learned how to better her life, but but misunderstood the power of God that can change your life. There's a big difference between we are out to uh, improve your behavior so you'll be good citizens. God is blessed by improved behavior. Our wives, as men, our wives are always blessed by improved behavior. The church can be blessed by us all having improved behavior, but improved behavior, as Jason was saying, does not satisfy because there was a sacrifice made once and for all that did the satisfaction, whatever that word is, to satisfy that sacrifice that was needed for us to be made right with God. So I'm talking to Janet and she says, well, I don't understand uh, why these things happen. And I said, well, you know, talking about her daughter dying, I said, you know, in the beginning, God did not put death in our spirits. We were not created with death and the understanding of death. That came after the fall of Adam, and sin entered the world. She goes, where's that in the Bible? I said, well, it's right in the beginning in the book of Genesis. Well, I've never read that. Never read that. Her experience with church was people talk about each other. And so she kind of quit going because she said, I didn't have anything to say. And I said, well, good. (laughs) But she totally did not understand even the beginning in the book of Genesis. And, you know, as a follower of Christ, Christ is so many things. We're looking at it from His body and His blood today, Him being a Savior. But He's also the Word, the living Word. So as you read this Bible... And understand it, you're you're learning of Christ, of who he is as a person. Uh, He's not just New Testament. He's throughout from the beginning of time in the creation, as the creation was formed, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit said, let us create man in our image. Back on the subject at hand, speaking of why... Are our bodies failing? See, that Paul was speaking to the Corinthians. They were kind of messed up as a church. They had the very wealthy in Corinth, and they had the very poor, and God was reaching them all. The message of the gospel was reaching every class of citizen, and they would come together corporately. And the uh, people that were wealthy would bring their food on communion. To have communion means breaking bread together, and they would bring their wine, and they would bring the good wine because they could afford it. They could go to Brown Jug for their wine. <laughs> you know, the other people just went to uh, uh, Costco and got Costco brand wine, and, uh, or they didn't bring any. And the, those that brought a lot were just eating, and those that didn't have anything were going without. And Paul was exhorting them, saying, this is not good. We're one body. We're to share together in that. We're to share together in Christ and in His goodness, and we're to share for one another. And so, as Paul was talking about to the Corinthians there, first of all, discern the body of Christ. It was broken for you, for your healing, and for the healing of the nations, to satisfy all that was needed so that you can live in health Later on in Corinthians, he addresses the church a little further in 1 uh, uh, in Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read that. You know, before I leave that, one of the scriptures that came to mind as Jason was speaking on this about, and many are dead among you, uh, the angel to the church at Sardis uh, in Revelation 3 was speaking to this, uh, the word of the Lord to him. He says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. How would you like to hear that from your angel? I don't see him, but if one showed up and said, you have a great representation, a reputation of being alive, you put on a good show. But you're dead inside. And you're like, well, why? I'm, I'm working hard at putting on this show. Look at, I'm smiling on Sunday. My doctor just told me I, I, I'm a good flosser. <laughs> I thought that was great. I don't floss. But I work hard. Anyway, um, but inside, he says, you're, you're dead I think that falls under this category of the church was not discerning yeah. of the Lord's body. So, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 12, Paul is addressing us, you, yeah. you, you recognize you are the body of Christ? I want you to say that. I am the body of Christ. And I'm a member in particular. And as a member of the body of Christ, I want to look out for every other member of the body of Christ. You know, when something in my body is not working right, every other organ and every other part of my body wants to do everything it can to make it better, except kidney stones. (laughs) A couple weeks ago, I had a kidney stone, and the rest of my body fled, said, nah, you're on your own there, buddy. We're leaving the kidney behind. It was just too painful. But that's so true. You know, everything in my body wants to work towards healing itself. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're supposed to be building one another up. We're supposed to be uh, encouraging one another. So here he says in, in verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, "I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand," that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, "I am a I am not a part of the body because I am not the eye," would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Now, if we skip down to verse 22, in, some fa- in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I like that. How many times as a Christian believer have you saw yourself kind of like, eh, I don't know about that person. Yet God has maybe deemed them to be a part of your household, be a part of your family, I mean, spiritually speaking, the household of God, to complete you. And instead of looking at that person as going, you know, they're, they're not really contributing, look at them and saying, I am incomplete without them. I'm I'm not whole without them. A few years ago, we loaned out our building to another church, and uh, they were just holding a a, a two-night conference, and our sound man wasn't available. And so I came down, and I'd been, you know, dressed in the way I usually work, dress, not like very pastoral, I guess, (laughs) doesn't appear that way at times. Matt knows. I was his neighbor walking around in my house coat out in the yard watering. Anyway, uh, I come in, and I just start doing the sound. There are worship teams here, and they're just, like, treating me like you don't know what you're doing. Here's what we need. Could you do this? Could you do that? And they were very disrespectful, and I was just serving. Yeah. I'm here to serve. I didn't rise up and say, hey, do you know who you're talking to? i just just serving. Pretty soon their pastor walks in. Oh, hey, pastor. And this is what he said. He said, oh, great, you've already met Pastor Mark who's letting us use his building. And they just were like, because they knew they'd been treating me like crap. I just loved them. I just tried to serve them the best I could. But you see, we are like that until Christ gets a hold of us. We can change our behavior the best we know how, but there's still that core that only Christ can change, and in discerning His body, amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's such a vital word from the uh, Scriptures, to be concerned for one another. We're going to take communion at this point. We invite everyone that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus is the Lord, then he invites you. And so we do that also. And as parents, we don't have, as a church, we don't have an age as to what age a child can take communion. Because many kids believe in the Lord better than their parents do at a, a lot younger age and so you know your child better than we do, better than we can say typically at 12 your kid can take communion uh, because they can believe on the Lord at a very young age so we invite all to the table to share the, the blood and the body of Christ and sharing communion together um, and parents we leave it up to you and what you want to do with your children there I took communion at a very young age I didn't know if I'd accepted Jesus. I believed in him. I don't know that I'd said the four spiritual laws, but I would go stay with my aunt and uncle and they would take me to church. And As a little kid out on their farm, and we'd go and uh, I'd go to church and I'd get to go up and take communion. That never left me. It never left me. I remember it S- 60 years. I remember it. That was special to me. And when times got troubled, I remembered it because Jesus will always bring to remembrance his goodness and his love for you.